and welcome in tonight to part two of Huntersville's Town Candidate Forum. We are grateful you are here tonight. We are grateful to all the candidates. We are grateful to the crowd that is here as well. We are broadcasting live on WSIC, and we are also video streaming the event as well, where you can submit your questions, and the crowd here today can submit their questions. We will get directly into the first panel that is here before us. We have uh, randomly selected tonight were five uh, candidates, and we want to thank the Lake Norman Chamber for putting this event on. Bill Russell, who hosts Town Talk every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. on WSIC. And to get started with the candidates, I am going to go left to right across. I'd like you to introduce yourself, state your name, and why you are running. Sir? I'm Frank Gammon, and I want to be your town commissioner. And first, I want to thank uh, the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce and WSIC for hosting this event. I'm running for town councilman, town, town commissioner, because... I care about Huntersville, its past, its present, its future, and its people. I have 50 years of public service. The first 42 years of that service was as a soldier and a teacher, provided me with the leadership and decision-making skills. Combine that with the past eight years of service I've given to this town, setting on the Greenway Trails and Bikeway Commission, Ordinance Advisory Board, and Planning Board, I am no assembly required. I will be ready to perform as a commissioner on the first day when elected. Next Thursday, early voting begins. Vote. And remember when you vote, back gammon. Thank you. Hi, I'm Justin William Moore. I'm a longtime resident of the town. I've lived here since 1996. Um, look forward to, I'm running for town commissioner because I'm concerned about the direction the town is headed in, especially with growth. I want uh, our growth to not outpace our infrastructure. I want to make sure that our police and fire uh, services are funded and keep taxes low. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, WSSC, for hosting this and the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce. It's a wonderful opportunity to, to see the residents of Huntersville and be a part of this. I'm Anna Rubin, and I love Huntersville. I have chosen to live, work, and play in this wonderful town for almost 20 years, and I am passionate about its future. We need to put the needs of the current residents of Huntersville first. Huntersville first, before interests of developers, pet projects, experiments, special interests, politics, Huntersville needs to be put first. And you need a commission who's willing to make the tough decisions needed to advocate for you, to support and serve you, and to protect you. You need me on your board of commissioners. Thank you. Uh, thank you for everyone being here. Thank you everyone, uh, for everyone watching. My name is Rob Kidwell. I'm completing my third term as a Huntersville Town Commissioner. I've lived here since 2009, married my wife, Kristen, at St. Mark Church over here in Huntersville. We're raising our two children, nine years old, 19 months, and our two rescue dogs. Uh, I think everybody here loves Huntersville, it's, uh, and everybody running loves Huntersville, and that's why we're so passionate about it. Um, I'm a registered independent. I believe in putting people over political parties. I also, uh, I've been a... I have been and will continue to focus on what we can do as a legislative board to keep the town of Huntersville one of the best places to live and grow in. I would appreciate your support once again 
to put me back on this board to serve you for another two years. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Lake Number Chamble, WSSC, and thank you all citizens of Huntersville for engaging in this process and being informed. I'm Matt Jones. I'm running because I feel an obligation to give back to this community. I'm a 25-year resident, native of Charlotte, been married for 20 years, graduate at Appalachian State University, Eagle Scout, and I've worked in the finance and real estate sectors for most of my career. I would bring a unique set of experience and skills to the board. I previously worked in municipal finance. I'm a chartered financial analyst. I've completed the certified zoning official training at the UNC School of Government, served as the, either the chair, vice chair, or member of the Ordinances Advisory Board for the last five years, and also chaired the Traffic Impact Analysis Subcommittee. I'm pledging to address traffic impacts from new development, housing attainability, addressing policies that'll lead to higher taxes and improving citizen engagement and education. I'm committed to serving the citizens of Huntersville by solving problems, putting the interests of the public first and not playing politics. I'm here to help. You can find more information about me at legmatjones.com. I'm also on October 25th hosting an online meeting to talk about traffic solutions for new development. Registration link is on my website. Thank you. Thank you all. We will cover a wide array of topics this evening and we will start broadly with, do you believe that the town of Huntersville needs more services or less services in order to serve the needs of the community? I'll allow if anybody wants to jump in first, you're welcome to. I'll take that. Yes, sir. Mr. Gammon. I think the town provides the essential services that it's supposed to provide. But you have to remember in, in Huntersville. So you, you ask for more or less. Uh, if something were to come up, we can consider that. But right now the town uh, is has a symbiotic relationship with the rest of the county, with Charlotte and Mecklenburg County. Some of the services that a town would provide are provided to us by Charlotte. We get our water from Charlotte. They do our dispatching for our police department. The county provides uh, the counseling and other social service to the county. And Huntersville provides the core of those services, the public safety, the infrastructure, the zoning, Primarily, primarily those three. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Mr. Moore? I don't think we need to have more services in Huntersville, although I'm willing to listen if anybody has suggestions. Um, but I don't currently feel that at this time. I think we have to do a better job on focusing on what we do already and focus on what, how we can do those services better, the, the services we're already providing. Thank you. Ms. Rubin? I think the services our town provides are wonderful. We've all taken advantage of those and they have made our lives richer. But I do think that as our town is growing, as we are seeing more and more development happening, we need to ensure that our town services and the growth of those is equal to the growth that's happening around us. And I do not think that is happening. I think our fire department, is suffering. I think we need to move it from a part-time basis to a full-time basis, and we need to have a plan in place to do that to protect our citizens. I think our police force is falling behind in the numbers of police officers that we have. We're struggling to fill positions that are open, 
and we need to increase our police force to equal the growth in our town. So I believe we have some work to do. I believe we have some great services, but I also believe that we can strengthen them, shore them up, and make sure they're here to protect and support us. Thank you. Mr. Kidwell. Thank you. Um, I firmly believe in limited government, so adding services is always an issue for me. However, we need to expand the services we already have. One thing that we we skip, and it's more of a regional thing, and it's called microtransit. And we've been looking at that at CRTPO. We've been looking at that from a transportation perspective of how we can utilize microtransit within the Lake Norman area. So individuals can get to Cornelius a lot easier or come to Huntersville for dinner. We have great services. We need to expand on our services. We need to add and take advantage of services like microtransit in this area to better the town of Huntersville. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Jones. There's one service that comes to mind, traffic management. We need to make sure we've got the best traffic management software, the best synchronization of our intersections. We need to make investments in traffic management to better address all the impacts and con traffic congestion we have in the sound. I have several note cards with the same question on it, so we will go ahead and tackle it so I can put about three or four things off of the desk here. Do you believe Huntersville should have a full-time fire department? Ms. Rubin, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, so, of course, the short answer is yes. We currently subcontract our fire services to a nonprofit called HPD, or HFD, I'm sorry. And we contribute about $6 million out of our town's budget. And our fire force consists of about 110 part-time employees and about 21 vehicles. Our fire chief has told us that the part-time team that we have is getting challenging to keep up and that we need to bring in some full-time uh, firefighters that the city funds. I think we need to listen to our fire chief. I think it requires a strategy, a plan that's gonna be phased in over a few years, but I absolutely think that as citizens, we need to listen to what they say. We need to listen to the plan and the recommendations they provided, and we need to take swift action to make sure the citizens are protected. Thank you. Mr. Moore? I believe that um, the fire services do need to be improved I agree that there needs to be full-time fire. Um, it needs to be done in a cost-effective way, and I look forward to uh, exploring ways to do that. Thank you. Mr. Kidwell. Uh, if we need a full-time fire department, and we may, um, then we need to be able to show the public, the taxpayers, what that looks like. We need to have a detailed plan with cost laid out so they understand the impact of that. We have been blessed to have a volunteer fire department for a number of years. And that's a paid volunteer fire department. And these are Charlotte firefighters who come here and make extra money for overtime. But other considerations of how we're gonna, uh, we need to look at are how are we gonna compete with Charlotte Fire? That's, that's the big dog in the room, in the region. How are we gonna compete with them with the benefit package? What will that look like compared to them, not only with them, but with other municipalities around the region who went to full-time fire. This isn't 
something that we can do lightly. We have to be very strategic about the plan. Um, we need all the facts presented to the board and the citizens of Huntersville. And once we have all those facts and how it's going to be built out like you do with any business, then you move forward as needed. This is creating a brand new department within the town of Huntersville and we need to know those facts. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Expanding on Commissioner Kidwell's uh, comments, I support moving to full time. It needs to be a gradual transition. It's very carefully thought out to ensure there's not a drop in service level and the impact to taxpayers is minimized. Mr. Gammon. Yes, the current model that we have with the volunteer fire department is breaking. There's a, there is a regional shortage, if not nationwide shortage of uh, firefighters. This fire department needs to make the transition. Uh, Monday night, the town board uh, voted to move that process and the early decision-making to the next board. At first I thought, well, okay, that makes whoever's on that board is gonna have to buy in and they're responsible for it. But in, but in hindsight, the, the next board also could have um, tweaked whatever came out of uh, board. They didn't have to stand with every decision. The money's gonna have to be spent. We're gonna have to make it. It's not gonna happen overnight. We're gonna have to work with a hybrid for a while. We'll get, we'll get the volunteers. We'll, we'll, we'll have the volunteers. We'll get our full-time people in and our chief will take them across the line. Thank you. Let's move into the budget, a big part of being a commissioner in the town. There's a lot of talk and everyone, every family seems to be aware these days that costs have increased with a four-year-old and two-year-old every time I go to the grocery, I know that, but I think a lot of us in the room can relate to that. So where can the town actually save money, whether that be by growing revenue rather than taxes? Mr. Kidwell. Uh, thank you. Monday night, we were presented, um, we had a presentation and it talked about how we have an increase in housing, which has caused a tax shift for us. So we're making less money from businesses. The town has been adding flex space year after year, bless you. And we need to take advantage of that. We need to be working with the EDC and bringing in companies, small, small manufacturing companies that are revenue, bringing revenue to our tax base. The more we can balance out our tax base with businesses versus residential, the better it's going to be. Thank you. Mr. Moore. I believe that we should mainly focus on raising revenue. Um, I think that we also need to look at the, every item in the budget to see what savings we can afford since we're going to need um, things for uh, full-time fire, for police, for uh, traffic management software, those types of things. But we need to focus on you know how we can get revenue and not focus on raising taxes on families i i work with you know people that are struggling as in my day job as an attorney i i do debt relief work um i you know focus on people that are having problems paying their bills every day and we need to keep them those people in mind when making our decisions so thank you Thank you, Mr. Gammon. Would you, just to make sure I'm clear, would you read that question again, yeah. please? In the budget, where can the town save money and if possible, grow revenue? 
You know, if, if I go as far as growing the revenue, one place that uh, we can save money is, is um, looking at uh, money that we're, we're giving away. And that is, I, I give to charities. We raised our uh, solid waste fee recently, raised it $28. That, that will raise the increase to the housing $488,000. Uh, but we also gave away $148,000 to, uh, to, local, to local charities out of that. So you took that 148 out of the 488 that you took uh, from the uh, solid waste fee. I support charities. I give money to charities and the town should uh, provide uh, advertising for those charities. We should have a night of giving for them uh, where we get everybody in, uh, rec center, uh, taxpayer money spent on uh, helping those charities get their word out. But uh, paying that money, we can save that money. Thank you. Ms. Rubin. Budgeting is never easy. I know if you're like me, um, priorities change in our families priorities change in our jobs and priorities change in our town. And you have to look at your budget and you have to be willing to make some cuts. And a lot of those cuts are things that are very good. I have a daughter in college and when we sent her to college, we had to make some changes to our budget. And we had to stop doing some things that were really good because we had a change in priorities. And it's not always that way. Priorities come and change regularly. That's what's happening in Huntersville. So we have to look at our budget very carefully and be willing to make some hard changes to stop some things that may be very good, but may not be what fits in our priorities for the next year or two or three. I agree with Mr. Kidwell in relation to bringing in revenue, continuing to attract new businesses, to cluster those businesses around zones within our town that allow us to become a hub for certain technologies and certain industries that really will recruit the tax base and help us increase our revenue. Thank you. Mr. Jones? So we have created policy in the past without analyzing its long-term impact to our budget. A good example would be street trees and the damage they create to sidewalks. We're spending close to $800,000 a year as a result, and it's a direct function of the policy was not thought through when it was put in place. So a lot of this comes down to analyzing policy before it's put in place to look at the long-term impacts to make sure we're not putting policy in place that will ultimately saddle future taxpayers with unnecessary growing expenses. The other thing that can be done is a deep financial analysis of the budget to find where we can save money. Thank you. Thank you. Are you okay with the town of Huntersville's current fund balance policy, or do you think it should be changed? Mr. Gammon. No, I, I don't have a problem with the way, the way that the uh, town is managing uh, the fund balance. We, as members of the town board, need to pay particular attention to how that balance is maintained, uh, tax rates. Um, I, I'm not in favor of, of raising taxes, but we have to have a, a, a serious conversation when uh, it comes time for the next board uh, to look at this. Uh, right now, we're charging people a solid waste fee on one side, uh, which other towns put that into their property taxes. 
I, I contend that maybe that should be rolled into the property taxes and that would increase. If we took what this current increase was of uh, $28, that's bringing in another $488,000 that, that I mentioned a moment ago. Um, and that's it. Okay, yes, sir. Mr. Kidwell. So I don't know if you all know, but Jackie Huffman is our financial person here in town. She's amazing. <clears throat> and she has kept us at a triple A bond rating with our current fund balance. That being said, I've had conversations with people um, in the finance and looking at municipal finance. And there's, there's an opportunity to lower our fund balance to where we could free up some cash for capital improvement projects. We can do that. My concern, if we do that, is are we now lowering our savings account for when an emergency really happens? You know, will we be able to be there for that? So right now, I'm comfortable with the fund balance the way it is. I think we have one of the smartest individuals taking care of our finances for the town, and I fully support whatever she brings to the table. Ms. Rubin. So we do have a wonderful town staff. I have been um, watching what's happening with our local government for years, and I'm very proud of the team, the staff that works for the town, and I think it's some of the brightest people around. And I agree that we need to have strong trust in them and really respect their opinions when they're focused on this year after year in such depth. So as a board of commissioner, um, the first thing I will do is have strong conversations with our staff, understand the reason they've made the decisions that they've made and how they're looking at this for the future. Of course, we'd like to lower that fund balance, but I will say that our ratings are extremely high. And I do think cushioning and making sure that we have a cushion within our budget for what may come up that's unexpected is always important. So I think it's a delicate balance. Um, but I also think that there needs to be a lot of trust in the decisions that have come prior to this board before we start running around and, and ripping things apart. I think we need to better understand how these decisions have been made and the impact that they have had. Thank you. Mr. Jones. Uh, you know, the town board has a fiduciary duty to the taxpayers to manage and protect their tax dollars. Having a fund balance as we do, it's very conservative, creates limited financial risk for taxpayers um, gives us a great credit rating. Should we review it? Probably. It may free up funds that we can address uh, traffic congestion, other things where we need to put funds, but it has served us well in the past, but all policies need to be reviewed on a regular basis to make sure they still fit the needs of the municipality. Thanks. Thank you. Mr. Moore. Um, I, I'm, it's important that we have a fund balance. When I was in the legislature, we had to deal with the relief for Hurricane Matthew, I believe it was. Um, you know, you need to keep money for a rainy day in, in you know, in supply as well as to keep your uh, credit uh, ratings up. Um, so I think it's important that we keep the fund balance uh, high. Okay, thank you. Let's move to schools. Um, there is a bond coming up. Do you support the upcoming school bond? Ms. Rubin, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, so uh, I don't know if most of you know this, you probably do, but the Board of Commissioners really has very little impact 
and what happens in schools in Huntersville. We can certainly advocate and promote and support our wonderful teaching staff and our schools, but um, we really are handcuffed in a lot of the decisions that, that we are able to make. Having said that, I absolutely support the school bonds, um, the school bond, I should say. Um, I do believe that our infrastructure of the schools within Huntersville is old, is becoming unsafe, and we need to make sure that our children have a um, safe place to, to learn, but also a modern place to learn. And so anything that we can do to, to build better schools, to replace schools, to increase our schools as our town grows, I think is, is, is very, very important. And I absolutely support it. Thank you. Mr. Gammon. I spent 16 years of my life as a, as a high school public school teacher. I have a master's in education. I, I want to support this bond, but too many times, let me explain it this way. Right now we're promised a replacement of a high school, which we need. North Meck was built in 1951. We need a replacement for Huntersville Elementary. Cornelius needs a, a, the Huntersville, the, their, excuse me, Cornelius Elementary School replaced and, a new, and we need a new middle school built out on Stumptown Road. My only question, if they, if they want my support is, I wanna know when. When are we in the queue? Is that 10 years from now? When I, when I hear when we're gonna get these schools are, are fed back to me, then I can give this uh, bond the support. But it affects, even though we, we don't do this as commissioners, this isn't our queue, it affects every life of every citizen that we're responsible for. Thank you. Mr. Moore. I do not support the school bonds as they currently are. As a person who went to North Mech, I certainly understand the, the need for a new school, but I don't think that North Mech and Huntersville in particular are getting enough out of it. I have, a, I have many friends who disagree, and I, I certainly you know, see their point of view, but I just can't support it at the current time. Mr. Jones. I do support it because we need additional investment in our local schools. However, I don't think we are getting an allocation of funding that is proportional to what Huntersville needs, and I would seek to increase investments from CMS in Huntersville if elected. Mr. Kidwell. There's a definite need for new schools uh, in Huntersville and, and the region. Um, but if this passes, this is... 15% of the total debt of North Carolina, two and a half billion dollars, would be 15% of our total debt currently. What many people may not know is over the past five years, we've received over $265 million from the North Carolina Education Lottery. $265 million. Over 60%, $139 million, CMS is allocated to non-educational personnel and only $11 million, I'm sorry, $29 million to school construction. I would love to see the, the uh, school board, the new superintendent, and the state legislature get together, work on redistributing that funding so we can actually put it towards brick and mortar and imagine this, teacher pay. That's what we need to do. Thank you. Another question on education. 
In 2019, the Educational Options Study Commission presented recommendations to break away from CMS and operate our own schools. If elected, would you support revisiting that recommendation? Why or why not? Mr. Kidwell, we'll start with you. Um, in, in 2019, um, I spoke against that breaking away. Uh, I remember the conversations during that time and it felt disingenuous. It felt like the town was saying, we are gonna service all of Huntersville children, all 15,000 Huntersville children. We're gonna build you a, a charter school and that's not how charter schools work. Charter schools are a lottery. There are people from all over that can attend. I would not suggest or, or recommend to the next board that we go down that path, however, we do need to make it easier for school choice to be available in Huntersville. Not every kid is, is the same. We can't put every kid in a box. I have had friends who their children excelled for a number of years in CMS until they didn't and they went into the charter school system and vice versa. Being open and friendly to multiple school choice issues here for the town, that is something this board can do. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Moore? Um, repeat the question, I'm sorry. Yes, uh, no problem. In 2019, the Educational Options Study Commission presented recommendations to break away from CMS and operate our own schools. If elected, would you support revisiting that recommendation? Why or why not? I don't think that Huntersville should be in the business of running schools. I, I do think that CMS hasn't served our area particularly well. Um, uh, and I don't think we have gone along with CMS, and I think that that's caused issues. But um, we need to focus on the, what we do as a town, which is traffic and fire and police and, you know, parks and those types of resources. Um, you know, there are educational choice in this state because of the actions of the state legislature, and I don't think CMS should be punishing us for you know, taking advantage of those options, but I don't think that the city should be involved in running schools. Thank you. Ms. Rubin. This is one of those things that's better in theory than it is in practice. So if you think about it, you've got um, the town that would create multiple charter schools that they would run. Um, that's really not feasible. It would require a lot of resources that would need to be stood up it would require a lot of infrastructure that would need to be um, purchased. And um, yes, I feel like CMS is a beast. It is giant. It is so big that it's hard to navigate through that. It's hard to imagine that we're in the same school system up here as um, South Charlotte is. I've had children in public schools and in charter schools. And I believe the charter school system is wonderful. The school choice system I'm in full support of. I believe those can still be established by nonprofits and other business entities other than the town. And I think they are. We've seen those grow um, throughout the years. And I support those. But I don't think the approach to, to, to break away and start our own group of charter schools um, is very realistic. Thank you. Mr. Gammon. I moved here in 1995. There were 10,000 people living in this town about that approximately. 
And since that time, this town's grown 500% in population. And over several periods in that time, this town has had problems with having enough space in schools for the student to support that growth. I understand the frustration that led to previous boards to uh, bring that topic up of starting a school system. I think it was more than more of a threat than it was something that was really wanted to be done. Do we need that now? No. I think right now that uh, there was a, there was a wound made between the town and CMS. I think that wound is healing, and there's a Band-Aid on it, and we don't need to rip it off. Uh, the people in this town, everywhere they live, everybody's got a choice. We have good schools. The CMS has good schools and good teachers, and parents make a choice, sometimes just because it's convenient. Doesn't mean it's bad, but they have, we have so many choices now that we didn't have 20 years ago. So. Thank you, sir. Mr. Jones. I do not support revisiting that. Um, education is a very capital intensive business. Um, I do support educational choice though. I mean, every student learns differently and not at the same pace. And the more options we have, the better. Thanks. Thank you. Part of your role would be communicating with people who live in the town and part of communication includes transparency. What do you believe is the best way to maintain transparency between the board and the citizens of the town of Huntersville. Let's go, uh, Mr. Gammon, we'll go first with you. Well, I'm for transparency in all its forms, but particularly because of my experience uh, with the planning department, I'm particularly um, desired zoning transparency. No one's trying to hide anything from anyone in this town. We have an excellent website. Our planning department is a great department. They have a great website where you can go look at uh, developments. But there are, we have large groups of people that come in here. I, I, sometimes I said I want to start a kiosk outside to sell pitchforks and torches. But we have people that come in here. This I got off track here. What, what was that? What was the question again? I started talking about pitchforks and torches, and I and I lost it. Part of your role is communication, and part okay, of okay, right? Part of a zoning transparency. What what I was leading to with the people coming in here is that uh, they see those projects, and they come in complaining about them. But there are multitude of projects going on in this town that even town commissioners don't know they're going on. They're called by right. You can look them up. You can look them up online. Those need to be brought back into transparency. Thank you, sir. Mr. Jones. I think we need a broad spectrum of communication options uh, for transparency. I'm all for transparency. And we need to do that by engaging directly with citizens out, out in our town. We need to do it electronically, social media, the website. Every, every way we can to make sure citizens are more engaged. You know, if we look at the last election, roughly 6,000 people out of 49,000 registered voters, we need more engagement. We need people more involved. It will make the community better. So every option we can to communicate and get the message across of what the town is doing and what is going on, the better. Thank you. Mr. Moore. I fully support transparency in town government. I think we need to be more transparent. I think we need to put as much online as we possibly can. Um, 
I think we need to focus on, you know, looking at more ways to communicate with the town, with its citizens. But I think that starts with having a strong website, having strong up-to-date data on that website and, uh, you know, promoting transparency that way. Thank you, sir. Mr. Kidwell. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. Um, one thing I did when I first got reelected to this board is I went out and got another phone, another phone number for emails, text message. You want to call, call me, it was on that phone. Uh, I also, as a commissioner, if, if a, a resident called me and said, hey, I have an idea, or emailed me with an idea, I would push that towards staff and say, hey, here it is, all on public record. Or if a resident called me and said, can you send me this information? Sure, here you go. I'd relieve Janet, our town clerk, who does an awesome job with FOIA requests of some of her duties. The other thing that we need to understand, and or I want to you know, share with everybody is, we have a, a, an amazing staff, great PIO, amazing town clerk, um, you know, they answered over 600 phone calls last month, 600 phone calls, people calling in and asking about things. That's, that's awesome. And we need, you know, and furthermore, I want to thank Commissioner Amber Kovacs for pushing the Huntersville app. We have an app that you can go on your phone at any time. You can get trash alerts. You can go and look at planning. You can look at transportation projects. It gives you more outreach to that. So please download the Huntersville app. That's the most transparent thing you can do because we all spend time on our phones. Ms. Rubin. So I think there's nothing about town government that should be secret. Transparency is key and everything we do should be open to the viewing and discussion around for the public, okay? Now, I don't know if you have ever looked at the town's webpage, but it is impressive. It is absolutely impressive and far above the web pages of other towns around us. You can see exactly what projects are at play, exactly what projects are under, under discussion, exactly the timelines. It is a wonderful tool and I am proud to, of, the, of the town staff that's really dedicated their time and the town resources to that. I think our town does a great job in sharing information. We can always do better, of course, and we should not keep secrets in anything that we do, any committee, any board meeting, anything. But I, I have to say, I think we do a pretty good job of that now. And I'm, I'm proud of the way as transparent as our town really is. Thank you. Let's move to a, a minor topic, one that is not on anyone's minds, and that's development. <laughs> <laughs> Given the current status of the town, what do you think is the best way forward for the town to grow? Mr. Kidwell, we'll start with you. So I've been the lone vote on this past two years on a couple of big projects, adding a lot of density to our town. And I was also surprisingly to many of my commissioners, the man who made the motion to approve uh, a small neighborhood. And my thinking is, we, if we're gonna control our development, control our destiny in our schools, control our destiny on our roads, we need to look for developments that are not going to impact us as much. The 55 and older Epcon community, I just uh, made the motion for this past week, um, less traffic than what potentially could go on that land, doesn't overcrowd our schools. Those are things that we can do in terms of controlling our development. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. You don't have to say yes to every rezoning. You don't. 
I've said no multiple times. And I would hope the next board says no so we can kind of lock in on what we need to do here in Huntersville. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Moore. I think we need to focus on growth that is as dense or less dense than the current 2040 plan has. Um, I think we have to focus on commercial development over residential, although I think there is room for uh, white low density residential in, in Huntersville. Um, I think that's what Huntersville has been built on. But we need to focus on, you know, less dense developments and projects that aren't going to, to you know, stress our infrastructure as much, which means more commercial development than residential development. Thank you. Ms. Rubin. We've all been impacted by the rapid growth that's happening in our town. You can't go anywhere without coming face to face with the impact. I love the size of our town. I certainly enjoy the amenities that we have. I think growth is something that we always have to embrace because we're always improving and getting better. But I also think that it's time to slow it down. I think we need to have some time and some space for our infrastructure to catch up with the growth that's happening right now. And I think we need to start saying no more to some projects or not quite, not right now. Um, I don't think it's anything that's super political. It's just common sense when you look around and you see what's happening. So um, I think we need to slow growth down for a while or at least aim it at other areas in certain um, areas of town where we can handle a little bit of growth, especially in the commercial area. But overall, I think we're busting at the seams. <clears throat> Thank you. Mr. Jones. It's all about balance. You know, you've got to have a good mix of commercial and residential. And if we get that out of sync, we get too much residential, we get too much commercial, they're, they're good, good and bad to both of those things. Um, the reason why there has been so much impact, specifically in traffic related to development over the last 25 years, is just because we have had policy that has allowed those impacts to not be offset. And the first thing we've got to do is fix our ordinances so it picks up those impacts. That way, we are not feeling new developments as much as we do now in terms of traffic congestion and that sort of thing. We just don't have the right policy to address this, and we need to get that fixed as soon as possible. If we, let's say we could wave a magic wand right now and cut off all development. It would be, there would, our revenue would stop growing and taxes would have to be increased. Mr. Gammon. I've been on the planning board of this town for five and a half years and I'm the current vice chairman. I've seen a lot of development come through that board. Now you have to know just a caveat, um, our responsibility in the planning board isn't the same as the town board. We make recommendations and we follow the zoning ordinance and the 2040 plan. Sometimes we may deny a project that we really think is a nice, good project, but the town but the town board will approve it because it should be approved. So I wrote the motion at the planning board recommending approval 
for the EPCON that Mr. Kidwell, Commissioner Kidwell, uh, spoke of a moment ago. I thought it was the right uh, development at the right place for the same reasons that uh, that he mentioned. And it, it was not supported by the planning department, but the planning board passed that through. But we need to be smart about where we're running out of, we're running out of space. The 20, we need to follow the zoning or it's the 2040 plan, but it's the 2040 plan is a guide. And we need to follow that to that point. Thank you. Thank you. We do have a question from online. I do want to attempt to ask this in the right way. Um, so I'm gonna simplify it, but I do, want, I do want to try to get it. There is a new master plan for downtown Huntersville. And part of it includes a substantially more expensive town hall and additional parking, which is expensive, versus in the past having spent less on um, particularly the discovery place, let's say across the street and other potential buildings. How do you feel about spending more on the government than compared on government services compared to putting dollars toward the rest of the town? And we'll start with Mr. Jones. Well, our, our current town hall, I believe, what I remember is when this was being planned, there was concern voiced that it was too small because we were a growing town. And clearly that is the case. So we do need more space. We need to, we, we're already too far down the road to kind of turn back on that particular uh, project. So we need to keep going because it would be a significant financial loss in the short term to do it otherwise. Uh, but we need to minimize the amount of money that we're ultimately spending on things like that. And, and when you talk about the project across the street, that is a classic uh, example of government buy high, sell low. The corner was effectively at downtown Charlotte prices when that was bought. So we grossly overspent to buy that land at the time. And we need to make sure we're not doing like th things like that in the future. Thank you. Ms. Rubin. The Taj Mahal. That's what I've heard it called. I've had many discussions as I've been campaigning about um, how excessive it, it, it appears. And, and I was not a part of the town commission or the discussions around that. Um, I'd like to thank that I would have weighed in for something a little smaller, a little more modest, a little bit more in line with the, with the town that we're in now. Um, but I also have to respect the decisions that were made and the process that's at play and realize that this is this horse has has left and is racing down the track and to pull something like that back would have larger financial implications than the cost of it itself but i will advocate for um, modest spending when it comes to to the town itself so that we don't appear to be um, the taj mahal Thank you, Mr. Moore. I think that the, the town hall project was done at the wrong time. We have, as we've discussed, we, we have spending that we need to make on police and fire and other services. And I think paying all that money for a town hall at this time is the wrong decision, even though we do need to increase the size of town hall eventually. But I think it's the wrong time for that decision. Um, I'm not sure what could be done about it at this point. It's pretty much finalized from my understanding, but um, I certainly wouldn't have supported it given that 
we have so many service needs uh, right now. Thank you, Mr. Gammon. I'm not opposed to a new town hall. I, I want to be as as if I'm elected and I'm a member of the next board. I, I want the serious conversation to look at it. I will say I don't think we're too far down the line if the board as a whole decided that uh, it this needed did not need to be done at this time. But I am open because look at here. We we need a new town hall. This, this town hall is not big enough to support the items. Yes, we have a lot of other, um, we have to consider that next board, have to consider the fact you're putting a new fire department, you know, expanding to a, uh, a full-time fire department or some type of hybrid that's gonna cost billions of dollars. And then you've got a new town hall. I, but again, I, I will reiterate, I'm not opposed to the new town hall. I just wanna see the numbers uh, when, I, when, when and if I'm on the board. Thank you, Mr. Kidwell. Thank you, I was on the town board when we made that decision. We were given two choices. We put a building over here on the sliver uh, that would be at capacity once it opened. And the idea was, well, we'll be able to take over Discovery Place kids once they move out, but they got another 15 years on their lease. So that'll be almost a 35 year old building connected to a building that's already at capacity. We also given the option for over here, keeping this town hall expanding behind us. It was more expensive. That was hard to swallow. But the one thing that it did made it easier was it's a 40-year fix. It's a 40-year fix for the residents of this town. For 40 years, we won't, have, we won't need another town hall. The children sitting in this audience, when they grow up and live in Huntersville, won't need another town hall. And through conversations with the assistant town manager, it's cheaper per square foot on what we're building now. More expensive, but cheaper per square foot. It's the right move for the town. I think that um, it'll be a good uh, thing for us. You want to shut that off. Thank you all. Road projects and improvements continuously seem to be delayed. What, if any, ideas do you have to actually see these projects come to fruition? Mr. Jones, we'll start with you. Grants from the federal infrastructure bill, tax increment financing. You know, we need to co-invest with uh, NCDOT to improve the timing and approval of projects that we need. But in the short term, we need to address our ordinances and impacts from development. We can address that quickly uh, by making changes to our ordinances. So, Mr. Gammon. There are 1 billion, 34 million, and I won't call thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars change uh, on the North Carolina TIP traffic improvement program uh, that's we're, we're currently under that goes, that will end in FY29 for road improvements and other transportation improvements, which include greenways and intersections. And, but primarily if you look at that highway 73 in the North, uh, they were they were in here. Uh, DOT was here Monday night talking about uh, some tweaks to uh, Beatty's Ford Road, Brown Mill Road, which are good. There need to be some other tweaks along that highway. Uh, how do we get that? We go to our state. How do we get involvement with that to get DOT back down here? They say they're coming in November for more public meetings. First ones we've had since before the pandemic. We need to interface with an talk to DOT and get the public in and get input and tweak the rest of F uh, Highway 73 because I do not want 73 to turn Huntersville into what Independence Boulevard is. Mr. Kidwell. 
I'm the regional transportation rep down in Charlotte. And I've been able to bring a little bit of money back here to the town, um, roughly $7.5 million for infrastructure projects. We've been told down there by the state, we've been told by CRTPO that if we want projects to move up, we're going to have to pay more. Not just Huntersville. Every municipality is going to have to pay more. Not just in Charlotte, not in Mecklenburg County, but in the state. We have a $50 million bond on the ballot this year. And if approved, we should take some of that money and put it towards projects to move them up. Take some of our projects from the CIP and get them accomplished. There's no way we can do everything at once, but if we can balance it out, we can definitely have an impact. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Rubin. I wish we had a lot of control over NYDOT. Um, I know we have limited control, but we also have a, a loud voice. And we know from um, people in this town that have been a part of the legislature that have um, contacts in Raleigh that we can push and lobby stronger to get their attention, to get grants, to get things. Um, I, I don't want to say we have the power to move things up, but we certainly have the power to, to light a fire to un people to understand the pressure. I think there we need to always explore and continually explore what grants may be out there to improve our roads, to improve our um, infrastructure. But I also think the bond that's on the, the ballot is important as well to continue to provide money for us and to take care of the roads that we can control and to continue to build connectors across our town to move traffic quicker to some of the main corridors. So traffic is a, is a hot topic and um, I think it will continue to be. Thank you. Mr. Moore. I think we need to take a multifaceted approach at approaching NCDOT. They set up a lot of the rules and make a lot of the decisions. Um, first, with the bond that I do uh, I do support the local transportation bond. We need to use that some of that money at least to move up transportation projects with NCDOT. Um, we need to be active at CRTPO to you know, get our message across. We need to have good public input at meetings with NCDOT. As a former legislator, I'm you know, willing to go up and, and lobby my former colleagues on uh, you know, our transportation needs. So we need a multifaceted approach, but I support that. Thank you, and we appreciate everyone's time tonight. We are wrapping up. We are going to end with one more question. While I wish I could get to all of the note cards that were passed up to me, I do genuinely appreciate everyone submitting those, and we will have another session, and so I will get to some more of these. Um, and I'm going to leave you with another small topic here um, as we leave. I mean, as we start left to right, we're going to work away right to left back. Affordable housing. What, if any, solutions do you believe the town of Huntersville should take to helping solve the current housing market situation? Mr. Jones, we'll start with you. So first off, affordable housing is not low-income housing. It's housing that persons with average incomes can afford. It's in the public interest that we have housing that is affordable and attainable for our first responders, teachers, nurses, municipal staff. It also helps attract employers and businesses to our town when there is housing available for their employees. Regulation has a material impact. 24% of the cost of a new home is estimated to be 
directly or indirectly related from some form of regulation. Uh, we are short probably 22,000 plus units based on a study that UNCC did, did last year. What we need to do is adjust our ordinances to incentivize the development of housing that is affordable and remove unnecessary aspects that drive up the cost of housing. That's what we can do in the short term. Thanks. Mr. Kidwell? The Mayor's Task Force just gave a presentation this past week with members of the uh, Lake Norman Community Development Corporation. If you watch Tuesday forums, it was, it was mentioned a lot. I think we have a lot more to do with the Mayor's Committee. Um, currently, Huntersville does not have a mechanism or a framework to maintain or define affordable housing. But there is a way that we can do it before that gets started. This past week, as I mentioned, made the motion to approve EPCON communities. Two of my fellow commissioners sat on with me and they said, would you put affordable housing in there? And EPCON said no. And they got postponed. So I reached out to EPCON. I'm like, seriously, can you put some affordable housing in the project? They said, okay, sure. How about three units? And since Huntersville doesn't have a mechanism, we'll hold them for three years and give the town time to develop that. Sometimes... We can go through all the committees, we can put all the layers of government, but sometimes it just, it's easier to ask and they may come to the table. Thank you. Ms. Rubin. This is a topic I feel passionately about. I look forward to working on with the board and I'd love to be a part of this committee that the mayor um, set up when I get on the board. I commend her for that. This is a conversation that's happening in cities all across our country and Huntersville is behind on this conversation. We need to do two things right up front. We need to make sure we have the public-private partnerships in place with nonprofit organizations within our town that have the access to some of the federal resources, especially HUD, that can address some of the immediate needs that homeowners, that our workforce has. There are grants out there or opportunities out there right now for HUD-approved nonprofits that can provide secondary, silent secondary financing for individuals where they're only covering half of the mortgage for their home so they could afford a home that's twice as expensive than their income allows. We need to continue to do that. We need to also look to, as a city council or board, to work for grants with these nonprofits that they can take advantage of, like the American Rescue Plan or um, block grants that might be out there. And we also need to incentivize developers. Um, I could talk about this for a long time. The stop is up. But um, we need to address this very, very aggressively. Thank you. Mr. Moore. I think what gets lost in the talk about affordable housing is affordability for the current residents. I, I work with people as part of my job um, with people who are in large amounts of debt, have cash flow issues, uh, can't, you know, can't afford uh, you know, the daily cost of life, typically. Um, and it's really, you know, everybody has their, their, or not everybody, but, you know, at least my clients deal with financial issues. And we need to, to work at making the town affordable for the people who live here already and, you know, make sure that taxes are low and, you know, things, you know, you know, the town services don't cost too much and, you know, price people out of our community. Thank you. Mr. Gammon. 
If you protect us, if you teach us, if you heal us, you deserve to be able to live in this town. So I, I support affordable housing, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing the written portions and the discussion that follows off the mayor's affordable housing uh, committees. Uh, and the town needs to take a serious look at that. The town also needs to look and determine, is there a need for workforce housing in, in Huntersville? And if there is a need, they need to form a committee just like they did for the downtown committee to uh, determine how to do that. Because our current zone, as Matt mentioned, our current zoning ordinances uh, don't particularly support that. We got to look at the state statutes that, that uh, support that. We have to, so our zoning uh, ordinance and we have to make amendments to the 2040 plan to allow that. Thank you. Thank you all. We appreciate all the candidates. We appreciate the crowd here. Thank you to our radio and digital fam. We are going to take a five minute break and we will have our second session of five more candidates here at the town of Huntersville Candidate Forum. Stick with us. To tonight's Huntersville Candidate Forum. We are entering now round two of the evening. We would encourage you to go back and listen and watch. You can do that on demand, wsicnews.com and all of the social platforms. We also want to again say thank you to the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce, Bill Russell. You can listen to his show every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. on WSIC. Now to the candidates. Thank you for uh, enduring the several other rounds that you all got to witness, and you guys are uh, going to back clean up for us today. As we did on all the previous rounds, we're going to start left to right. Please introduce yourself, state your name, and the reason why you are running. Hi, my name is Amber Kovacs. I'm a current town commissioner, and I'm running um, to be reelected because I don't feel like I'm done yet. I just got started. Um, I would like to continue to be a voice for residents that would like to get stuff done and don't know how to access some help here at town hall. I would like to uh, work on educating our residents so that way they are more empowered so that way they can make the appropriate decisions for themselves and fight things that they need to fight. And I would like to look at things in an innovative approach so that way we can start trying to fix our infrastructure and limit the um, growth that is happening. So I look forward to um, hopefully working with you all with uh, during another term. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Hello, my name is Latoya Rivers, and I have a cheerleading voice, by the way, so I might not need this microphone, but anywho, uh, my name is Latoya Rivers. I'm a fifth-generation native here in the town of Huntersville. I have two beautiful daughters and just recently became a glamour that I self-proclaim, called myself. 
um, grew up here, Pottstown community, and it was important for me to run to represent those that are voiceless. And so it is my hope to bring diversity and inclusion onto our town board. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, I am Eric Rowell, and before I get to why I'm running, thank you, Bill. Thank you to the chamber, Justin, WSIC. It's extremely important that we are able to, to broadcast this to the voters of Huntersville. Um, I will say this format doesn't always lend itself to the most in-depth discussion, so please reach out to not just myself, but any of the candidates. If you really want to sit down and go through the issues, we're all more than happy to do so. So while I'm running, uh, I think that I bring a unique perspective that no one else running brings. Uh, I'm an engaged resident committed to Huntersville, as you can see by my Huntersville lapel pin. I wanna use my perspective to help make our local government uh, as transparent uh, and as accountable to the taxpayers as possible. I'm a North Carolina native, 10 year resident of Huntersville, uh, married, and my wife and I, we live on the west side and we're raising our two daughters here. Uh, being a parent obviously doesn't make me uniquely qualified but my service uh, as a member of the Huntersville Board of Adjustment, the Educational Options Study Commission, uh, the 2040 Plan Committee, being an honors graduate of Huntersville 101, combined with my uh, legal background, my risk, manager, risk management background, I think it makes me uh, uniquely suited to be ready on day one to meet the challenges that we're all gonna face up here on the dais. Uh, look forward to the discussion tonight and you can find out more at electericrowell.com. Thank you. Thank you. For 30 years, my wife and I have called Huntersville our home. While I'm not serving right now, I was twice elected, once in 2017 and once in 2019. During my tenure, I worked collaboratively and in the spirit of compromise with my fellow board members to get things done. And we accomplished a lot. The revitalization of downtown is happening with several projects underway and completed, including the brewery. The town greenway system was created and a new trailhead, the Vine, sits across the street. We expanded our park system with a first, the Rosedale Nature Park, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention pickleball courts at Holbrooks Park. We've approved multiple master plans, including the 2040 Community Plan, the Parks and Recreation Master Plan, and the NCDOT Bike Plan. We started several road projects, including the Main Street Project. The reason I'm running is there's so much more to be done, and I want to be a part of the next team that gets that done. Thank you, Mr. Walsh. Good evening, and thank you all for coming out. Um, thank you to Justin and to Bill um, for moderating and for making this available to everyone that can't be here with us today. Uh, my name is Jamie Weidman. I am a North Carolina native. Uh, born in Concord, grew up in Kannapolis, just down the street. Um, I have two children, both uh, in Huff, high school at Huff. Um, my background is in accounting and human resources. Um, I'm the anti-politician. I'm the average citizen. I want to represent you and your interests, um, not mine, not any particular groups. I want to be engaged um, with anyone that wants to engage with me. Um, I want to bring what the citizens of Huntersville want to Huntersville. Um, more information at electjamieweidman.com. Thank you. Thank you all. And thank you again for being here. Thank you again to the crowd. You are welcome to continue to submit questions. I will do my best to get to as many as possible. In one word, please describe your best 
quality. Ms. Rivers. Experience. Mr. Walsh. Inclusion. Mr. Rao. Persistence. Ms. Kovacs. Communicative. Ms. Weidman. I'm scrappy. <laughs> Please describe a situation where you encountered conflict and worked together to come up with a solution. Mr. Rao, we'll start with you. Uh, um, you know, I, I like to think that I've asked a lot of tough questions uh, as a very engaged and committed uh, resident over the past 10 years. So I have not always agreed with the decisions that have been made at the dais, but as an active resident, I've always been very communicative with my board members. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know that I'm going to be able to come up with one situation that I've been able to resolve, but I've always been able to communicate with the board and I plan to do the same thing if elected, plan to take that feedback from the residents the same way I've had that feedback, given that feedback, um, and so that we can come up with the best solution for the town possible. Um, you know, the recent fire department vote was a good vote that I shared thoughts with the board members. Um, and so uh, the, you know, the resolution still up for debate, but the board members always listen, and I appreciate that about them. Thank you. Ms. Kovacs. So on my current term as a town commissioner, I'm not sure if you've ever watched meetings, but sometimes there's some conflict. Um, but I like to think of myself as the person that tries to kind of bring everybody together and come to that middle ground for a compromise. A lot of times, um, when we're talking with each other on the board before a, before a meeting or before a vote, um, I will go back and forth with others about their opinions and try and find a middle ground so that way we can all kind of be on the same page. So it's not just one time, but I'd like to solve conflict and work together as a team. Thank you. Ms. Rivers. The conflict. The Pottstown community has been overlooked for so many years. The solution, create innovative and resourceful ways to bring resources to an underserved community. By doing that, there have been several nonprofit organizations that have been created within the Pottstown community, one of which the Pottstown Heritage Group, along with Mamambu Live, as well as the North Mecklenburg um, Economic Mobility, um, I'm sorry, organization. <clears throat> With us coming together, what we decided to do was create a Pottstown Leaders Group in order to voice the concerns, create innovative and resourceful ways to bring in resources, such as right now we're currently fighting for to ensure that our branding in our neighborhood is continued to be historic. The Torrance Lido High School, we're in talks with Mecklenburg County right now with that. But we've had to overcome so many conflicts because we've been overlooked for so long that we had to come up and create resourceful ways to do that. So. <clears throat> Mr. Walsh. Um, I would say that conflict is part of a normal decision-making process. Um, when the board members discuss any, any kind of vote, um, there's often, you know, one person's on one side, one's on another side, and, and you work through the conflict of ideas till you come to a resolution. Same thing is true with the rezoning. You have a conflict with the developer, the local residents, neighbors, et cetera. And so the idea is to take that conflict and turn it into something positive, which is a good decision on whatever you're voting on. Thank you. Ms. Weidman. 
Um, working in HR, I am often in the middle of a variety of conflicts. Um, we recently dealt with one at work between a uh, warehouse employee and a warehouse manager. Um, communication styles were not meshing very well. Uh, one thing I pride myself on is the ability to listen to both sides uh, of an argument, not just listen, but hear, um, and try to get to the heart of what the problem really is. A lot of times what is voiced is not necessarily the actual problem. Um, I like to dig and do research and look into things, um, you know, trust but verify. Um, and very often you can find um, a middle ground and help, each, help people understand each other and that tends to help resolve conflict. Thank you. How would you attempt to engage the many different backgrounds of people throughout the town of Huntersville to participate continuously in the small business community. Let's go Miss Weidman again. Uh, one of the things I would really like to see us do um, as a town, particularly with the downtown area, is have um, a point person for businesses um, to engage with specifically so that they can get information um, from a single source about what is available to them in the town as far as, you know, land options, um, what our citizens are saying they want. Um, for me, I'm open to doing business with anybody. I, I don't know that we're going to target a particular type of business owner. I'm more interested in targeting the type of businesses um, that our citizens want to see. And I would love for us to spend time as a whole engaging with that group. Thank you, Mr. Walsh. Um, we obviously have the EDC for attracting larger businesses and um, growing Huntersville's um, tax base. Um, locally, I, I don't know that I would do anything other than maybe um, assign a kind of a guru for, for smaller businesses in order to find a way to attract them to um, the town and, and resolve any issues around that. Thank you. Mr. Rao. Yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily, you know, my role or the role of an elected official to, you know, engage the small business community. But obviously the first thing I do is make sure they knew about the Lake Norman Chamber and Bill Russell. Uh, some of the resources that, that that networking group provides. I know we've got other networking groups as well, but uh, obviously as an elected official, small businesses have their own concerns, whether it be um, you know tax rates they're facing, uh, fees they're facing. So uh, I would always be a resource. I'd be available to listen, but um, you know, obviously there are already networking groups in town that, that do a better job of engaging the small business community than probably the, the town could or should. Thank you. Ms. Rivers. Could you repeat the question for me, please? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so many, right? Are you on the I next one? Um, I'm just going to do it off the dome because I'm not going to look through all these right now. Uh, how, how, if, if at all, would you engage the many different types of uh, business owners and small businesses in the community and encourage them to engage in the town? Something like that. Well, I think that <laughs> something to that effect. Yes, right? ma'am. Um, it would be great if we could create a task force um, that highlights and encompasses the um, information that our small business owners can provide to one another. Sometimes um, all it takes is great conversation and planning. 
And in creating this task force, what we can do is come to the table, talk about ideas that can assist with investing in their business, ensuring that they have the proper tools and, need, and things to help them um, succeed as far as bringing their small businesses here to town. Thank you. Ms. Kovacs. Um, as the town representative on the Lake Norman Chamber, um, that's kind of my number one answer, is involvement with the chamber. Um, but I also think that uh, that experience working with the chamber and getting businesses involved, small and big businesses, has been helpful because then when I'm going into communities to help residents and hear their needs or hear their wishes and things that they wish that they could start doing, um, I'm able to use kind of that Rolodex of information and a network and hook people up with what they were looking for, what services they were looking for. And I think that we should be able to continue and have that communication with residents about their needs and then use our outside resources like the chamber or just personal relationships you have with people. Now, one of the most serious topics that um, is on everyone's mind, pickleball. <laughs> have you ever played pickleball, Ms. Kovacs? No. Ms. Rivers? No, but I have cheered for North Mecklenburg High School, and I was a basketball player at Alexander Middle School, JMA. Mr. Rowell? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not a pickleball player. I, I don't think I've reached that necessary age group uh, for pickleball yet. <laughs> but, but... Hey, hey. <laughs> right, you, you guys sit down, sit down back there. But I, I'm looking forward to getting there one day, but I will take this time to advocate for F3, which is something I do do on a regular basis. And I know obviously John O'Neill is involved as well. So if you're not a pickleball player, look up F3 and join us uh, most mornings around town. Mr. Walsh. Yes, I do play a lot of pickleball. In fact, uh, <laughs> I... Uh, Play it about five or six mornings a week, and, and many times with 30-year-olds. So I guess you haven't reached that age. Um, <laughs> but uh, at any rate, and, and two hours this morning at Clark's Creek. Thank you. Ms. Weidman. No, sir. <laughs> Do you support the upcoming parks and transportation bond on the ballot? Why or why not? Ms. Weidman. I do. Um, I support both of those bonds as the money is coming back and staying in our community and they are going to do things um, to improve uh, life here. And I think that's a lot of what citizens want is we want um, things that improve our way of life. Mr. Walsh. Absolutely. In my time on the board, I was the board liaison for the Parks and Rec Commission as well as the Greenways Commission. And not only do we not have enough now, but we are continuing to add new residents every day. So we definitely need the uh, parks um, bond to pass um, because we are behind and people are always looking for outdoor opportunities, including maybe some more pickleball courts. <laughs> Mr. Rowell. Uh, so I, I tell people that I am supporting the $50 million transportation bond because obviously traffic and congestion is a major concern for a lot of folks in town and we need more local control over our roads. And that $50 million bond is not a lot of money, but it is enough money to expedite a lot of the road projects that we need to, to get done now and, and speed that up in the CIP. So uh, now what I would also say is I wanna prioritize road improvements over, so motorized over non-motorized. Uh, that's what I would do if I was elected, I would make sure that our project list that, that, that we were working on with that bond money focused on motorized first. 
Uh, the parks bond I'm not supporting. I don't want to incur that additional debt at this time. We've got a, we do have a lot of park space in this town. We are looking to add more in the future, but I don't know that that's what I would call a priority at this time. I think we need to focus on our, our, want, our, our needs versus our wants first. So thank you. Ms. Rivers. Um, yes, I do support the bonds um, for both the parks and the um, transportation traffic as well. Um, again, I do think that anything that can enhance our way of life, we definitely need to invest invest in for our residents, for us. Um, you know, the new term now is self-care. Well, part of my self-care is going to the David B. Weimer Recreation Center, and now they just recently added some additions to that center. Growing up there, we didn't have a lot of those things. So it's important and it's great to see those, those enhancements. In regards to the transportation and traffic, absolutely. We definitely need to ensure that we are um, con controlling the traffic, per se, um, because there is growth that is coming in and it is, it is unrealistic to say that growth is not gonna happen. Traffic isn't gonna increase. So with these bonds, it will help to maintain control and enhance the street. I'm sorry, y'all. Enhance the um, fixing up the roads and things of that nature. So, thank you. Thank no, you're fine. Ms. Kovacs. Um, I do support both of the bonds, uh, starting with Parks and Rec. When we did the 2040 plan survey as a town, people uh, let us know that they want to be able to be outside and they want to do more outdoor recreation. Um, so I believe we should continue to um, create different uh, different parks. Like when we had the Rosedale Nature Park, that was something new, not something that we had. And we can continue to do these innovative ideas with our parks. If 2020 and COVID taught us anything, people like to be outside and they feel better when they're outside. And so we need to... Um, allow them to have space to do that. As for the transportation bond, we all complain about traffic. We all know that there's traffic and $50 million is just barely going to make a dent, but we need some money so that way we can start putting our money where our mouth is. Thank you. Let's move to the budget. One of the major aspects of being a commissioner in the town. What if any aspect of the budget would you reduce spending on? Let's go Mr. Rao first. Uh, that's a good question. Um, as somebody who's, you know, again, been really engaged over the past few years, uh, I pay close attention to the annual budget meetings that the board engages in. You know, budget season basically starts right after you're elected. You know, the, the town staff compiles those budgets and presents them for review. You start having budget meetings early on. So one thing that I've been critical of for the past few years is I do not think the town board digs into the budget enough to find areas to reduce. So one of the things that I've I've pointed out over the years, we have what they call contract services in a lot of departments. The police department, for example, has $801,000 in the current budget that, that was just approved. It's a, one, it's a single line item. And we need to do more as a town board to dig into those items to find areas that we could reduce spending on. So I, I, I don't have a, an, an exact answer tonight, but I can promise you if I'm elected, I am going to take that time to review the budget line by line just like I would do if I'm, you know, for, for personal spending or any spending at work, I want to make sure that we are being as efficient with taxpayer dollars as, as possible. Ms. Rivers. Um, I think it's important that we take a deep analysis of our budget, um, really take a step back and really look at the budget and see what we can take away 
make some cuts um, so that we can readjust and prioritize um, as needed. Yes. Ms. Kovacs. Not, there's not one line item in particular, but I think kind of to somewhat go off of what Mr. Rowell said is our contracts. I think that we really need to look into our contracts because when I see that one contract we have, we spend more money on personnel for one building than we do for an entire department. I think that's a bit absurd. Um, so I think that it's important for us to really dig in deep into contracts and when they come up for renewal, decide if those are the best for us or if we need to look somewhere else. Ms. Weidman. So I am right in the midst of digging in a $16 million budget right now. Um, this is budget season for us at work. Uh, one thing I would really like to look at is capital spending. Um, additionally, there are a couple line items in various departments. One specifically is um, the police. Um, I would like to know what makes up the almost half million dollars in um, non-capitalized equipment we're buying. Um, what are we spending that money on? Are they needs versus wants? Um, that's one particular item, but, you know, piggybacking off of uh, Mr. Rowell and Mrs. Kovacs, I am a line by line girl, so it would be all of it. Mr. Walsh. Obviously, I was on the board for four years, so as part of approving budgets for four years, we are a growing town. And almost across the board, we're, we're, we're underfunded with personnel, we're underfunded with, with equipment sometimes. So there's a great deal of need. So I don't know that there, you know, obviously there could be a program that gets obsoleted and, and, and we save the money there. But overall, um, we run pretty lean and clean and mean in terms of our budget. And I don't think there's any major cuts we're going to make um, just because of all the needs we have. Again, I've gotten the question as we have every session thus far. Do you support a full-time fire department in the town of Huntersville? Ms. Kovacs, we'll start with you. Did you watch Monday's meeting by any <laughs> chance? Um, I do fully support and quite passionately support a full-time fire department. Um, I was on the group, or I was part of the group where we worked with the fire chief and we worked with staff to figure out what their needs are and how we can best um, help them. And our conclusion was starting with 19 full-time and work as a hybrid situation. So not necessarily completely full-time, but what we came up with, we think you would be able to be at more of a hybrid situation with having full-time employees and then some part-time employees with a few benefits. And then we would be able to sustain that without having to go completely full-time. But yes, I support it. Thank you. Ms. Rivers. Yes, I support a full-time fire department. You can't put a price on life. And it's important that with our first responders, i.e. our fire department as well as our police department, it's important that we have a fully full-time funded fire department. Um, I think it's critical. It is a need. And having a volunteers, um, you know, it, I when I heard about it initially that we have a part-time fire department, it was very heart-wrenching heart because when it's an emergency, you know, it takes a while. So, yes, we definitely need a full-time fire department. 
Thank you. Mr. Rao. I think it would be irresponsible for me to sit up here right now and give an answer, whether yes or no, we need one. I'm not privy to the information that Commissioner Kovacs or Commissioner Boone or Commissioner Partee, who are on the uh, full-time fire subcommittee, have been privy to. I was supportive of deferring the vote that happened Monday night because the, the citizens need more information. The board needs more information before they can make such an important vote and take an important vote on, you know, potentially a 10 plus million dollar uh, impact to the budget that may even result in a tax increase. So um, there may be changes needed to the fire department. I don't know where we're going to find 18 full-time firemen right now. Um, so I think right now we need to we need to ensure that we are fully vetting this decision. We have all the information that we need, and this is where the transparency comes into play. I've been I've been critical of the fire department for the past few years because we don't have enough information because they're a nonprofit. They're not a town department. They don't have to provide us certain information that we would have from other town staff or full-time personnel. So at this time, uh, I'm still waiting for more information. Thank you. Mr. Walsh. Uh, a long time ago, prior to the 30 years that I've been here in Huntersville, I was actually a volunteer fireman in Fairfax County, Virginia. And when I got on the board six years ago, I, and we should delineate between volunteer and, and our department is paid, it's paid part-time. Um, I went to Chief DeToli and I said, I'm a little uncomfortable. We've got, you know, a town of whatever residence it was six years ago, and we outsource fire protection to a nonprofit. And he, we were in his office and he said, you know, look at my, my cabinet. I got a stack of resumes this tall and I'm having no problem recruiting. And again, the town's gravitated to this model because of the impact on our tax rate. It costs us a lot, significantly less money to operate with this, this system. But anyway, during COVID, I came back to him again and I said, what happens if half the fire service in Charlotte goes down? Do we have it covered? And he said, yes. Well, about a year ago, he came to the town board. I wasn't on at the time and said, the time has come. The time has come to start funding a full-time municipal fire service. So yes, I do support it. Ms. Weidman. Um, yes, but um, I support expansion on a smaller scale. Um, I think we need to have um, a better understanding of what the long-term impacts are going to be on the budget. Um, if you watched Monday night, um, I know the $300,000 number was thrown around. That's an impact for six months. That is not what the long-term impact of this is going to be. Um, as Mr. Rao said, there's a large possibility that going in this direction will result in a tax increase. So for me, it's going to be important to engage with the community and see what do you guys want? Do you want to pay higher taxes to have a larger full-time staff? Or are you comfortable with the services you are receiving for the taxes you are paying now? Knowing that the commissioner seat is a two-year term, why should people believe you that you will do what you say you will? Mr. Walsh. Um, I think there's a somewhat distrust of politicians in general and sometimes well-founded. Um, I, I think you can, in, in my particular case, just look at my record. Um, I, I, I voted consistently with the 2040 plan. Um, I meet with constituents. I follow up with them. Um, we got projects done. We advocated, I have advocated for, for a number of different um, programs, et cetera. So I, I don't know anything other than to say, uh, if I tell you I'm going to do it, I go do it. And I, I would defy somebody to find a case where I didn't. Mr. Rao. 
I think that's the benefit of having two-year terms versus four-year terms, which is a debate that's going on at Cornelius and Davidson right now. Uh, two-year terms, you're going to be held a lot more accountable to the voters and the residents than you would be with a longer term. And it's going to be a lot harder for any of us to sit up here and break promises when we know that the voters are going to get to basically recall us in two years. So, uh, look, I've got a long track record uh, in writing. I haven't served. But a lot of people know where I stand because I've been pretty vocal for better or worse about where I stand on most issues. And I don't plan on getting up here and changing any of that. So um, you have the chance every two years to make a decision on whether or not we've been honest with, you know, our positions and where we stand. Ms. Rivers. Yes. Um, serving two years. Accountability is important. I come from a community where the town lacked accountability for many years. So yes, absolutely. Um, I wanna ensure that I am transparent with my background in over 20 years of local county government working for Mecklenburg County. My current job right now is benefit fraud investigator. So I'm highly big on my integrity, my character, and ensuring that everyone knows and understand that I am what I say I am, I stand on what I believe, and I am very vocal, and I will support and advocate for our residents. Thank you. Ms. Kovacs. Um, similar to uh, Commissioner Walsh, I have a, a record of voting, and in my opinion, I have held true to everything that I said that I was going to do to work on trying to get the needs met for our residents to communicate, to um, help be a conduit between residents and this town knowing what we need to do. And I just can, will plan on continuing to do that. I communicate consistently and I'm always willing to answer questions, respond to our residents, even when the emails aren't so kind or the phone calls aren't so kind. Um, but I just wanna make sure to, to be there and stand true to what I said I was going to do. Thank you. Ms. Weidman. Um, like Commissioner Kovacs, uh, I'm really running because I want to serve you guys and I want to be your voice on the town board. Um, there are somewhere between 65 and 70,000 residents in Huntersville now, and there are six people that sit at this dais and make decisions that impact all of you. I don't want to sit up here and make decisions based on what I think. I want to sit up here and make decisions based on what you think. Um, I am not a politician. There is no benefit for me to tell you one thing and then do another. Um, like Mr. Rowell said, you know, two-year terms, the proof is going to be in the pudding. If you guys, if I make you promises that I don't keep, please call me out, please. And, and I think we should be doing that for whoever sits up here. Given the amount of time it took to put together the 2040 plan, years of research and, and conversation, and given the changes that have happened both in the world and in the town of Huntersville, do you think the 2040 plan is still an accurate representation for the direction of the town? Ms. Kovacs. I think it's an accurate guide that we can use. A lot of effort was put into it. Um, some community involvement, although when looking at the numbers of the responses to surveys and um, residents that were involved in making those decisions, um, I don't think that 200 people 
um, speak for 60,000 people, but I do see it as a guide. I think it's a great plan for us to use, but I don't see it as the end-all be-all. Um, because if you're looking at it as a strict plan and you're not taking into account for projects that have been um, approved that are outside of that plan, you're not taking into account the changes that have happened in the world. You're not taking into account the changes that are happening with the roads. So while I do see it as something that I will look to, I do not see it as the end all be all. Ms. Rivers. Um, I view the 2040 plan the same way I view the standard operations procedure plan of Mecklenburg County. Um, the 2040 plan is a comprehensive guide and it addresses what is happening now and what's going to come for the future. So yes, it is important that we stick with the 2040 plan, um, ensuring that the things that have been set in place are adhered to. Mr. Rell. A lot of talk about the 2040 plan uh, this, these past few months. So I was the vice chair of that committee. I was fortunate enough to serve with, uh, I think, 15 of my fellow residents uh, for a few months, putting that together and, and, you know, ultimately sending that up to the town board for approval, the planning board and the town board. Um, as just as, as Ms. Rivers just referenced, the 2040 plan is a comprehensive land use. It's required by statute. We have to have it. We, if we want to have zoning, we have to have it. Um, it is a guide. It is designed to be ambiguous and to allow for discretion. It is not black and white. And that is what a lot of people don't understand. And unfortunately, you cannot look to the 2040 plan to make any decision because you can look to it and you can find things to support or oppose almost any plan that has come up. It literally happened again just Monday night with Golden Cow. I think there were three, four, three or four uh, sites, citations supporting it that town staff linked to. I think there were two policy provisions and again, you know, opposing the golden cow. So I think, again, what you need to look to is who you're electing. That's more important than what the 2040 plan says. Thank you, Mr. Walsh. I think the uh, 2040 plan is the collective voice of our citizens and direction to the board as to where they want development um, and, and other facets of our community. Um, I don't believe, I, I think when we have a, for example, rezoning, which sometimes can be controversial, and it comes up that, you know, when you have the 2040 plan that supports it, the planning staff and planning board that supports it, or a commissioner to go rogue, I don't think is appropriate. If that plan gets updated, I know there's some talk about doing a 73 study, then it changes and that's, you know, an area that I would, I would look at and, and vote accordingly. I mean, it's interesting Monday night came up because once again, the town, I just got cut off. Oh, well, it was 15 seconds. Uh, the town approved um, higher density um, on Beatty's Ford Road. And, you know, the excuse was, well, this is a 55 and older community. Well, I will tell you, I play with 55 and older at Pickleball from from Kinnaman, which is in the business park in Eastfield in a development that I did not approve when I was on the board, but it got passed anyway. So anyway, I got cut off. Ms. Weidman. Plans are awesome, but they change sometimes. And sometimes we need to deviate from them. Um, it's a great guide. I think it is the first stop on whether or not um, something should be moving forward and getting to the point of coming in front of the board. But what the citizens want is really important. 
And as Ms. Kovacs, Commissioner Kovacs said, um, there were like 200 people involved in the survey. And I think we all realize that there's far more than that that are living here. Um, I really want our decisions as a board to be community driven. And that means that when you guys want a project, you need to be just as engaged and involved as the people who don't. Um, you need to use your voices and make sure that we know you want something so that we can carry out the wishes of the people we're here to serve. Given that it's not uncommon to travel amongst multiple towns in a single day and especially a single week, how do you think there should be, if at all, a regional partnership with the surrounding municipalities? Ms. Weidman. So I think it is very important, um, and, and this is going to be a big job for the mayor, um, and part of the reason the mayoral race is so important um, is they are going to be our representation to those other three towns, or other two towns, truly. Um, we do need to be finding ways to work together where we can. Um, there may be potential ways for us to cost share on things. Um, when you start talking about things like affordable housing, um, which was a conversation in the pre-meeting on Monday, um, we don't need to go out and reinvent the wheel. Uh, Davidson's already working on those things. We need to partner with each other to see how we can leverage what we all know individually as towns to best serve the people here as a whole. Mr. Walsh. Um, we actually, the three towns have a long history of partnering um, in different areas. Um, Bradford Park is a partnership between um, Huntersville and Davison and uh, Commerce Station, um, which is a little south of here. The three towns share not only shared not only in the cost, but uh, share in the in the tax revenue. So where it's appropriate, we partner. Where it's appropriate, we um, actually the, the the Lake Norman Chamber is a, is really a partnership between all three towns. The EDC is a partnership between all three towns. So we we do a number of uh, joint partnerships overall. Mr. Rao. Uh, so as a parent of two girls who are pretty active in sports, travel softball, basketball, we, you know, we play on fields or we, we play on courts that are, you know, Cornelius fields frequently, or, uh, you know, we play in the HYAA league. And then sometimes, you know, we'll play in the Davidson Cornelius league, right? So those partnerships are important. We all travel throughout the community. A lot of people work in Charlotte. A lot of people travel to Cornelius or Davidson on a regular basis. It's important to have partnerships what we need to be looking at is, is, are these partnerships benefiting Huntersville? That should be the first thing that we're looking at. And if a partnership is not benefiting Huntersville, we need to reevaluate that partnership, whether it's CRTPO, where we have been on the wrong side of the balance of those votes for far too long, whether it's the sales tax that we've been paying down to Charlotte for them to benefit since 1998 or 1999. That's, the, that's what we should be looking at, is, is that partnership in the best interest of Huntersville? Ms. Rivers. Um, working as chair in the nonprofit world, um, we have been able to build relationships amongst the two other municipalities through the nonprofit organization world. So I do think that it is critical that we build those relationships with the other municipalities around us. Um, it's important because we may share common interests that we could discuss, um, go 
to these other municipalities and come up with strategies and ways that can be effective with towards our town of Huntersville, see what works, see what doesn't work. So yes, I think that it is important that we have those relationships created. Absolutely. Thank you, Ms. Kovacs. I'm of the belief that we do have good relationships amongst our surrounding towns. Um, some of you might not know, but we meet quarterly, um, but more on a social basis. We meet quarterly, talk about what we're doing in each of our towns. Um, as of right now, it's just the mayors that really meet in a formal meeting format and um, to just, or to talk about what's going on. I think we need to do a lot more involvement with the commissioners being involved in that process as well, because we are the ones that are making decisions and having votes um, about projects that can affect others. Um, and I think it's important to look at partnerships so we're not reinventing the wheel. If we need to create a regional transportation as in just the North Met counties, because it's not helpful if the town of Huntersville is fixing or is paying to fix 115 and then as soon as you get to Cornelius, you're choked up in traffic, but then Davidson worked on it as well. We can do projects where we say, hey, this is what we're looking at. Is there something we can do to work together, whether that's informal or formal? Sorry, this card's written in cursive and it's about schools <laughs> and you know they don't teach cursive in schools no more. It's a whole different conversation. Uh, do, do you support the upcoming school bond that will be on the ballot? Uh, Ms. Kovacs, we'll start with you. So what I didn't say in my introduction is I am a former educator of 12 years, um, but I recently took a little hiatus. Um, so this might be surprising, but my decision on the school bonds is undecided. Um, I feel that there's not enough information for me to make that decision yet. I find it frustrating that the list of projects are not in need order, but rather alphabetical order. And I also find the math to be fuzzy math um, because we're being told that we're going to be getting more seats, but we're not talking about the fact that we're opening up a new school and those students are going to be taken um, that when Alexander becomes IB, that no longer will be a neighborhood school. So all those students will have to go to a new school, um, which will start to fill up that school. And when Davidson K-8 goes to Bailey Middle School, our Huntersville kids will have to come back. So I don't feel as though we have all of the right facts for me to be able to make that decision yet. Ms. Rivers. Um, I think that if the boards are utilized efficiently, and I say that because the North Met Corridor has always, it's been, they don't put enough into the North Met Corridor when it comes to the bonds. Um, Huntersville, North Met, we're growing. We need more schools. We need more money put into our existing schools and we're not getting that. So um, I, would, I would say right now I am undecided because I agree with, Commissioner Kovacs, I do need more information only because of what I've seen throughout the years. Mr. Rao. No, I do not support the $2.5 billion CMS bond that's been proposed. It is too much debt for one school organization to take on. That's more debt than the county has, more debt than any county in the state has, almost more debt than the general obligation debt in the state of North Carolina has. Um, and, and it's not, you know, this is not a partisan thing, right? Uh, you know, three members of the county commission came out opposing this as well because of the size of this bond. Uh, they, if, if it would have been a million dollar, a billion dollar bond, they would have gotten more support. But CMS came out and they want $2.5 billion. 
there's no guarantee of any increased capacity in North Mech and in Huntersville because they can't guarantee that. So we are trusting the same organization that is that we've heard complaints about Tuesday night and, and from a lot of the parents from rundown schools, schools in poor condition, we're gonna trust that same organization to then turn around and, and give us the new schools they promised. I have two girls that attend CMS schools. I understand the concerns of parents, but that is too much debt for any one organization to be trusted with, and uh, we need to say no. Mr. Walsh. The short answer is yes. Um, we have Huntersville Elementary imploding. We have North Mac imploding. Um, would I like to see more coming up here? Absolutely. 700,000 people will move to the Charlotte area by 2040. That's not very far off. So we're already short schools right now. We're already short, not only schools, but updated schools. And whatever percentage of those 700,000 people moving here who have kids are gonna need a place to, for them to go to school. So yes. Ms. Weidman. I had quite the spirited debate last week on this topic with a member of our school board. Um, I am a CMS parent. I have multiple close friends who are educators. I do not support this bond. Um, as Mr. Rowell said, it is extremely large. <laughs> um, I don't think that Mecklenburg County is being transparent regarding what the impact on property taxes will be with this bond. Um, I do not like the fact that there are members of the school board telling the population that the projects on the list are guaranteed when they very much in fact are not. Um, if you hear them say that, please know, yes, in the past, the list has not changed after the bonds passed, but that doesn't mean, excuse me, that doesn't mean it can't. Um, a board can absolutely vote to do that. Um, and I've got about a million other things I could say. <laughs> what type of changes, if any, would you like to see come from the state that affect the town of Huntersville? Mr. Rao. So the, uh, one of the things the town board does, again, that most people don't really pay attention to, but they have a legislative agenda. So it's a list of items that the town board is supposed to work with our state, state house rep and state senate rep on um, pushing you know, changes that would impact us locally. So I think one thing I would work on, I'd like to see us have clear authority to make medical funding decisions, right? OM and the OM cluster has been a very, uh, let's just say important topic over the past few years. A lot of families have been impacted. Uh, the town attorney says we don't have clear authority for funding. I would find a way to get that done. I think the other thing that we need to get done is we have got to find a way to allocate more equitable funding for the ABC money. I'd, first, I'd like to abolish the ABC, but I know that's not going to happen. So we need to reevaluate the formula that has been in place since I think the 50s, where every town, whether or not they have an ABC store or not, we all get the same revenue from the MEC ABC. So we need to work on uh, reevaluating that formula so that Huntersville can get more of the pro rata share of the ABC funding. Ms. Rivers. Can you repeat the question for me, please? What, if any, changes would you like to see at the state level that would affect the town of Huntersville? Can you come back to me on that one? Am I able to? Sure, just because you asked. Ms. Kovacs. A lot. Um, but I'm going to focus on one, impact fees. 
impact fees. I feel like since I'm sitting close to Commissioner Munger's seat, I, sh I should just represent him. Um, but impact fees, we have so many residents that ask us all the time, well, why do you let a developer do that? Why don't you make them pay into this? Why don't you make them put in these roads? We would love to, we are begging to, but we can't do it due to what the General Assembly allows the town to do. So I would love to be able to charge impact fees so that way when the developer puts an impact a negative impact on our town or our infrastructure, we are able to get funding to fix that. Ms. Rivers, you ready? You want me to come back? Or are you good? I'm, I'm going to pass on this. You're going to pass. Yes. Okay. All right. Mr. Walsh. Um, I'm going to say ditto to Commissioner Kovacs. I grew up in Virginia and they, they allowed impact fees. I don't want to make up some numbers. If you had a, a neighborhood of 100 homes, they might charge $3,000 a home, which isn't going to stop somebody from buying that. But then you could collectively take that money to, to proactively start building roads, build classrooms, et cetera. Um, it's probably not going to happen, but it would have the most dramatic effect on towns like Huntersville, where we could get that money up front instead of waiting till businesses or houses are built and now people move in and now they start to pay taxes which you know takes a year to get into the system etc so impact fees would would be a major benefit for huntersville and other municipalities service okay i mean you can go to Ms. okay all right miss wyman i'll go last okay all right i am gonna ditto mr walsh's ditto um <laughs> A lot of people don't understand we are a Dillon's rule state, which means we can only do here what the state says we can, and they say we can't charge impact fees. Um, I've been very vocal about this since uh, I started campaigning. I think we need to be banded together with the towns around us. They need to be banded together with the towns that they touch, and we need to put a real hard, concerted effort into pushing this at the state level. Um, as Mr. Walsh said, impact fees would be one of the quickest ways we can get in front of a lot of the problems we're having here. Ms. Rivers. I ditto. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think we definitely need to band together and lobby um, on behalf of the impact fees as well um, in ensuring that we that our voices are heard when it comes to this because this is a major issue and it has been a problem within the town of Venezuela. Appreciate everyone's time tonight. I'm gonna to give one last question. Um, this is your opportunity if you're sitting before potentially people that are gonna vote for you or not. So I'm gonna go right to left this time as I start left to right. So I'm gonna go right to left. We're gonna start with you, Ms. Weidman. Why should people vote for you? I wanna be your voice. Um, I don't want to see partisan politics in Huntersville. Um, I am an un, uh, unaffiliated person as of September. Um, I really, truly just want to be your voice. I want to make the decisions that you want to be made up here. I want to be a representative for you. Mr. Walsh. Um, in the four years I served on the town board, it was an honor and a privilege to do so. Um, the... Um, I will adhere to the 2040 plan. I'll work to accelerate more road projects with bond money that we're getting. I'll continue to expand our greenway system, support expansion of our police and fire department, and finally work on solutions for attainable housing. Um, I wanna thank everybody for listening this evening, and I'd ask for your vote in November. Mr. Rao. If transparency and accountability matter to you, you should vote for me. I have been consistently hammering these issues for years behind the scenes. I'd like to do so behind the dais. 
Uh, I'm not going away if I don't get elected. So that's another reason. Uh, some people may just want to vote for me to get me up here. Um, but another thing is, listen, I'm unaffiliated as well. So is Ms. Wadman, uh, Ms. Kovacs as well. And I'm not going to be beholden to any party interests. I'm not running on a slate and I'm not being motivated by partisan politics. I'm going to do what's in the best interest of Huntersville, not in what's in the best interest of any political party. So please consider me when you go to vote on November 7th, electericrowell.com. Ms. Rivers. I'm not motivated on a partisan slate or anything. I'm motivated as a resident, merely speaking up for other residents around the town of Huntersville. It's important that we have diversity and inclusion, which the town of Huntersville has lacked for many years. And that is what I am here to do. That is what I'm here to bring. I'm here to be a voice for the voiceless. I'm here to ensure and make sure that everybody, that we represent every voice, not one voice, but all voices. Ms. Kovacs. I love my job and I would love to continue doing it. I love the people that I've met and I think that I have learned so much and I can continue to learn. I would like to continue to communicate with our residents and help you fight for what you need and help you find that knowledge that will make you stronger, a stronger resident and I think that I have been able to prove myself and I hope that I am able to earn your vote on November 7th. Thank you all and thank you to the crowd for being here. Thank you to our radio family and digital family. You've been listening to the Huntersville Candidate Forum and this will do it for us tonight. Have a good one. <laughs>